Again, haven't watched the tape, so it's hard for me. Uh, and even when you ask me on Monday, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, but uh, just full disclosure, I mean, I, we've got to coach these guys. Welcome to the Daily Northwestern's football podcast. Northwestern made the parents proud this weekend with a 23-13 victory over Purdue. Fifth straight win for the Wildcats as they cruise towards the end of the season. I'm Max Schumann, your host for today, and uh, joining me to talk about that and more are some of the usual suspects, Tim Balk. Hello, Tim. How are you? And Max Gilman. Hello, Max. Hi there. So, let's just jump right in. We're not beating around the bush. Northwestern beats Purdue 23-13, did not require overtime this week. Northwestern gets out to a 20-0 advantage in the third quarter. Purdue claws it back a little bit, but the game was pretty safe for Northwestern all the way throughout. Guys... What were your takeaways from this week's game? I think that Northwestern continues to play well. I think they played a little bit better than they did against Nebraska week previous. Purdue's a solid team, solid defensively. To get up 20-0 on them the third, this was not not a game where you really had to hold your breath. Clayton Thorson played very well. The offensive line played very well. I'd say overall a pretty, pretty complete performance. The team is really hitting on all cylinders, top to bottom, offense, defense. Yeah, I think even though that they scored less than they did against Nebraska, this was a much better all-around game from Northwestern. Purdue has a better defense than Nebraska, so it would be expected that they scored less here. But I I really liked what I saw from the Wildcats against Purdue. The one thing I would add also, even though Justin Jackson didn't have a great game, protection was really strong for Clayton Thorson. I was talking to Kadris Rollins, uh, former Daily Sports editor. He's at Sports Illustrated Net right now. We were talking about bowl matchups, which we're going to get to a little later on. And he said, I still don't trust Northwestern's offensive line. I'll say after this game and after the last few games, I trust their offensive line, at least for pass protection, especially along the outside. I thought it was a really strong form in that area as well. Yeah, I would say the pass protection, ever since we saw kind of the nuclear meltdown of the offensive line against Wisconsin and against Penn State, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like they've been playing teams that are as good. As those teams are getting after the quarterback, but the Michigan State's <laughs> got, bad. Michigan State's got a good front seven. Purdue's got a Purdue's got a respect. They played they played a lot better, and I think that's super important. They no did not, one no one could get within fifty miles of Northwestern's offensive line because of the radiation that the nuclear meltdown yes, was giving off. Yes, Northwestern's offensive line was the Chernobyl of offensive lines after <laughs> surrendering about eighty thousand sacks. Can I give Blake Kant a shout out? Blake sure, Hans is playing good football. Love Blake Hans. Blake Hans gets now. too much criticism. The offensive line, good. Northwestern's offense, generally pretty good. They struggled establishing the run, but Purdue's got a pretty solid front seven, so that I don't think that's a huge concern. One area of concern for Northwestern's offense, they were in the red zone six times against Purdue. They scored touchdowns twice, kicked three field goals, and ended a drive on a failed fourth-down conversion. Northwestern's defense on the other side, they held Purdue, who is a ground-based offense normally, to 40 total yards on the ground. Purdue racked up a lot of yards in the air in garbage time. Do you guys have any thoughts about the way the defense played on Saturday? I thought it was a good performance. I mean, in a game like that where, it's, where you're up 20 nothing, you kind of throw out those last two scores. And 376 passing yards, you sort of throw that out when it's 60 60 pass attempts, thinking dogs. Yeah, only six yards per actual attempt. One thing to note about that garbage time is that Purdue was running their offense in the two-minute drill for basically the last 
30, 35 minutes of game time. The two-minute drill, and, very effective way to run your offense. Yeah, silly not turn all the time, right? And it, it was well, that's like, like what that's like what Oregon used to do in its prime. Prime Oregon would just that was basically the principle. Like you can't defend teams that play like that, right? Which is why people always say at the end of games, like, "Oh, you stop playing your real defense. Why did you do that? You let the team get back in the game, and it's because you can't actually defend a team that's playing that fast." It's like well. it's like the seven second or less offense in basketball, which I'm a subscriber of. Big fan. They were playing in the two-minute drill the last half of the game, and so it would make sense why the defense was a little bit more susceptible to that, just given that it was freezing cold. It was a cold one. It was a cold one at Ryanfield. However, nice and warm in the press box. There, always there was snow on the bleachers in the top, top of the stadium. Snow and not people. Not, snow that wasn't Not shuttled. a great 32,000 people? Was that the final attendance? I don't know. My, my stepfather sent an angry email to Morty about how the stands weren't shoveled completely of snow. The, uh, we were sitting in a puddle. The official <laughs> the official attendance at Saturday's game was 33,765. Freezed out. Fans freezed out. That's not bad for us. I mean, I guess it's It's not game. good, especially given that by half, after halftime... But it's, it's not like a glamorous 20. opponent. It's Purdue. Purdue, who's better than usual. Well, Purdue doesn't bring anybody. Right. It's not like... If Michigan came to town, Michigan fans are all over the place right, in the then, Chicago area. Yeah, there'd be 20,000 Michigan fans there. Right. Pros and cons. Pros and cons. All right. I think that this game against Purdue was pretty straightforward for Northwestern. I don't think there was a lot of... There's not a lot for us to really dig into overall. Northwestern was the better team. They played better than Purdue did generally. They did some things very well, which was enough to secure the win. And I don't think we need to spend huge amounts of time talking about this game. Do you guys have any final thoughts about what you guys saw on Saturday? <laughs> well, we'll see if Northwestern can, you know, the basketball team plays Purdue in a couple of weeks. I consider Purdue a rival, so better take You might be the only one. Yeah, you might be. You might be the only one who considers Purdue a rival. <laughs> If people start making bar graphs on the internet about Northwestern and Purdue football and basketball games, then it might be a rivalry. I'll make but some since, graphs. But since the bar graphs only exist in the meme sphere between Purdue and Indiana, then when is that game? Does not is that the first the first weekend of uh, December third? So the the early set of Big Ten games, one of them is against Purdue. Yeah, it's the first. It's like in the middle of non-con. It's, it's yeah, right after yeah, Illinois. Right. You got to strike. Well, they don't have Swanigan, you know. They I mean, know. they won't have Swanigan for the rest of the. The right, the there'll be lots of opportunities to strike. <laughs> I would say every every game down. after this point, Purdue will not have killers. Still don't have anybody that can cover Isaac Cost, though. We'll t- I, this is a basketball podcast now. I'm taking over. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get into basketball at, at a later date. There's still plenty to talk about with Northwestern overall, but I think we're going to put a wrap on this game against Purdue. Northwestern wins. Seven and three on the season, five and two in the Big Ten, up to twenty third in the most recent college football playoff rankings after this win. So Northwestern is moving up in the world a little bit and playing pretty well as the end of the season comes ever closer. Let's look ahead before we talk about Northwestern's upcoming game against Minnesota. I want to look at the bigger picture a little bit and the thing that everyone loves to talk about all the time in college football. Not me. Bowl bids, 
projecting where Northwestern might be going in bowl season. Guys, I know that we're all huge fans of bowls. <laughs> Maxie Elman here is especially a massive fan of the bowl system and figuring out where teams are going to go. He is our resident expert on these topics. So let's try to take a stab at where we think Northwestern is going to play. Northwestern is probably going to end up in one of the upper tiers of the Big Ten Bowls. So that'll probably be Music City Bowl or the Holiday Bowl. Probably going to end up being Nashville or San Diego for the Wildcats at this point, unless well, something crazy happens. Let me just do a rundown of the Bulls that yeah, have tie-ins. Let me do a, t- a rundown yeah. of the Bulls that have tie-ins to the Big Ten. So usually the Rose Bowl is a classic Big Ten Bowl. However, this season the Rose Bowl is one of the two college football playoff games, so there isn't necessarily a Big Ten tie. However, someone from the Big Ten could make the playoff, most likely unbeaten Wisconsin, maybe two loss Ohio State if they went out and some other things break their way. Not a lot of things, but a couple other things break their way. Uh, There's also a tie-in with the Orange Bowl, which is a New Year's Six Bowl. However, if no one gets a bid to to that bowl, the Citrus Bowl in Orlando will have a Big Ten team in it. There could also be another New Year's Six Bowl that takes a Big Ten team, depending on how things shake out. We've got the Outback Bowl in Tampa, where Northwestern was two seasons ago. In 2015, they got stopped by Tennessee. We've got the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. We've got the Music City Bowl in Nashville or the Tax Slayer Bowl in Jacksonville. Those two split as a Big Ten Bowl. One of them gets a Big Ten team, the other one doesn't. We've got the Pinstripe Bowl, where Northwestern was last season, defeated Pitt at Yankee Stadium. We've got the Foster Farms Bowl in Santa Clara. We've got the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit. We've got then the last uh, tie-in is either the Armed Forces Bowl or the Heart of Dallas Bowl, both in Texas. One of those bowls will get a Big Ten team. Very happily, it probably won't be Northwestern. I think Northwestern has played their way out of that. I think it's also safe to say that we can expect two, at least two Big Ten teams in New Year's Six Bowls, maybe three if one of them makes a playoff, makes a playoff which could happen. I'm not sure. I think a Big Ten team is going to make the playoff. I it's will. not 100%. Yeah. It's not 100%, but I'd say it's more I likely think it's than a, If yes. Wisconsin, Schumann and I were talking about this before the podcast, if Wisconsin and Ohio State make the Big Ten championship game, half of which is already a given because Wisconsin has clinched the Big Ten West. Unbeaten Wisconsin. Unbeaten Wisconsin. If Wisconsin, Wisconsin would have to win their last two games. Wisconsin would win their last two games, and Ohio State wins their last two games. They meet the Big Ten championship game. The winner of that probably goes to the playoff. I also think that if Ohio State, if Penn State... Wins out, wins the last two games, which are both against puff balls, and Ohio State loses, which I think is a puff, quite a solid possibility. I think the playoff committee rates Ohio State better than Penn State, though. I think though, Penn State. I'm what I'm saying is Penn State could still make the playoff. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean they're four points away from being undefeated. I personally think they're the best team in the Big Ten. Eh. Yeah. Well, uh, I do. Maybe um, not. Maybe uh, maybe not. There's a, there's 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 that's debate. An argument. There's that's debate. A, that's an, uh, a separate we'll argument. My point there. is that there, I think there are three teams there that have a shot. I think Penn State, sure. one spot behind Ohio State, they won their last two games, killed Wisconsin in the, in the Big Ten championship game. I think it would be hard. They'd have a solid shot. We'll have to see what what else happens, but I think they'd have a shot at getting the, the number four spot. That's reasonable, and I think all of those teams should feel pretty good about their chances of making yeah. a New Year's Six game. So uh, if they take care of business in the rest of the regular yeah. season. So let's assume that a Big Ten team makes one of the playoff games, regardless of who it is. Penn State, Wisconsin, or Ohio State. One of the three teams makes a playoff game. 
we can safely assume that the other two will make a New Year's Six. Why? Well, I, I mean, probably. Pretty, I guess so. Let's proceed though with Gowen's hypothetical: one team in the playoff, two others in the New Year's Six. Six. With those three being Penn State, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Sure. That would leave of the other four Big Ten teams that have clinched a bowl spot already, are which are Michigan State, Michigan, Northwestern, Iowa. That would leave those teams for the Outback Bowl, the Music City Bowl, the Holiday Bowl, the Foster Farms Bowl, and the Pinstripe Bowl. I don't think if those three if those three teams make the New York actually, it would depend if one of those teams makes the Orange Bowl because that. When it's not a playoff game, that one is contractually obligated to have the highest-ranked non-playoff team. But let's assume that we have those four, Michigan State, Michigan, Northwestern, Iowa. Michigan State probably is the best of those four. Probably go to the Outback Bowl. Michigan and Northwestern, probably on the same tier. It would likely be a toss-up between the Music City Bowl and Holiday Bowl. I think since Michigan's fans probably travel better they would get preference for which bowl that they want to go to. We're looking at Nashville or San Diego or Northwestern. I think there's a chance if you group... I think the way that bowls usually work and the way that I try to conceptualize it is you take all the teams, like, you you do, like, a very broad tier system. So there's, like, the playoff type or New Year's Six type teams, and they're in one tier, and then you have, like, the good but not, like, New Year's Six teams in another tier. And then you kind of sort that based on how well those teams will draw in their bowl game, and then that's kind of how it's ordered. I would say Northwestern will probably draw the worst yes. lot in whatever tier. So I think the big question is whether or not, by the end of the season, bowl committees look at Iowa and say they're about the same as Northwestern in quality. If they do, then I think Northwestern could get bumped to something like the Foster Farms Bowl, which would be kind of a downer on a potential 9-win season. Yeah, I think I'm, I, I think, if, think I don't I just no, with that. I I, especially it depends. Like if they if they played like Stanford in the Foster Farms. Bowl, yeah, I, I guess it depends on the opponent. Uh, I, I, well, the biggest the biggest here's the thing about Stanford. Northwestern could play Stanford in the Holiday Bowl. That is a Big Ten SEC, uh, Big Ten Pac-12. There season. are multiple Big Ten Pac-12. I have a weird feeling that Northwestern is going to play Stanford in the bowl. I'm sure that which would be a, which be would be a tremendous matchup. They're very. I just I just really. As a, they're very well matched as they were a couple years ago. My bi- just my biggest thing that I want out of the bowl season. I don't really care about location too much. I just want after North, like Northwestern couldn't end the season on a seven game winning streak without. I mean they they all played some good teams, but they would pl- have played them at home. I just want to see like an opponent that challenges them. And actually, I want to actually find. You want out, them like, to play a good team? Yes, I don't really. They haven't played one in a while. Right. I don't uh, really. I don't really care yes. who that team is. I just want the opponent to be good. It could be in the Foster Farms Bowl. You could get a good Pac-12 team in there. But you could also get one in the Hall. I don't Bowl. think Iowa would bump Northwestern from from the tier. And A win Iowa over in Eight and four could, Northwestern. Nine win Northwestern. I mean, they played a game at Northwestern where it went to overtime. Like, they're basically... Well, I think Iowa... If, if they, both teams went out, I think Iowa will have a, arguably have a better resume than Northwestern. I mean, Iowa... Who's Iowa played at the end of the season? Iowa blew out Ohio State. Yeah, they have the best one in the Who they played at the end of the season? Not Ohio State. I think that one of their games is against Nebraska. They play Nebraska, right? That's I don't know. The, that's the protected. They're going to play Purdue and Nebraska. They, they have a good chance to finish eight and four. They could also go to the Pinstripe Bowl. The Pinstripe Bowl. The, Pinstripe Bowl is my first choice. I'm from. Pinstripe Bowl is a great bowl to cover from a from a press. For, perspective. Yes, Northwestern from, won't get it two years. Northwestern will not be in the Pinstripe. It's Bowl. It's possible. 
No. No, they have their I mean their obligations where they try to But their goal their goal they they need to have a minimum of six different teams over an eight year agreement. I think that, their agreement was only a couple of years ago though. They wouldn't want to bank one of those repeats so early. Yeah. I'm saying it's possible. You're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. Play Notre Dame in, the, in New York City? Give me that. I'm not sure about They'd that. Lose. I'm not sure about that projection. But let's wrap this up. This this part of the discussion up. So Northwestern is sitting at seven wins, could end up could end in the season with nine wins, could be looking at a trip to California, could be looking at a trip to Nashville, could be looking at a trip to Florida, maybe, who knows? Still a lot on the table. We will see, certainly, in the near future, where they end up. Now, let's narrow our focus a little bit to the game at hand. Northwestern hosts Minnesota on Saturday and puts their win streak on the line and go to six straight wins with a win on Saturday. Golden Gophers have been up and down throughout the season, I'd say. I think that's a fair characterization. P.J. Fleck is their coach. First year on the job after leaving Western Michigan, after taking them to an unbeaten regular season and a New Year's Six Bowl. They haven't been great this season, <laughs> I think is fair. They've had some some bad losses, but last week laid a 33-point beatdown on Nebraska. They're now 5-5. Five and five on the year their usual middle class big 10 team with like a decent solid defense and an offense that statistically isn't as good minnesota gets it done primarily on the ground last week they racked up more than 400 yards against nebraska's pretty soft rushing defense so what are you guys looking for in this game against uh, minnesota for northwestern well you just you just said it minnesota in order to win they need to run the ball Nobody can run Northwestern. Penn State can run Northwestern. Wisconsin can run Northwestern. Minnesota's not going to be able to run Northwestern. I think Northwestern will probably blow them out. It'll probably be a good win for Northwestern. Likely two or three scores. I, I, can't, I, I don't know much about Minnesota other than that they have a good run game and are bad at everything else. They, they've been blown out in a lot of their games. It looked. Yeah. I, I, I think you there may be a lot of reasons, Steve Bison's not in saying that there's a middle here, Big Ten team. I think Minnesota's a bad Big Ten team. This year uh, they are. <laughs> Last year they well, were there are a lot of bad Big Ten teams. Just being a bad Big Ten team puts you... Like, who, who would you like consider... What would you consider to be a bad Big Ten? I think they're worse than that. I mean, they're better than Illinois. I think Northwestern beats <laughs> Minnesota Lovey. pretty handily. I think that the betting line has been bumped down because Minnesota beat down Nebraska, except Nebraska is definitely not good. And is also, like, at the giving up on their coach point in the season. <laughs> So I would di- I would discount the running up of the score in that game. They if, do you, have... if you had that game out, they they'd lost five out of six. They were, you know, they they don't have a good performance in there. They'd be Illinois by a touchdown. <laughs> they have they have an element of running from the quarterback position from their starter Demery Croft, who was actually Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week this week. He rushed for 183 yards, I believe, on 10 carries against Nebraska. So it'll be interesting to see how Northwestern faces that challenge. However, I'm pretty sure Minnesota can't throw. And I think that you can't be one-dimensional against Northwestern. Northwestern's defense is too good. I don't think Minnesota finds a way to score. I think Northwestern can definitely score enough to turn this into Minnesota has completed almost half of its passes this year. Almost. Almost Almost half. Close. We round up. Close, but no cigar. We round up. Yeah, that's not very good. It's a very glass, almost half full way to look at it. 
No, they're they're not good. They're a bad team. I think that we all agree then the spread. Oh well. Is... I, normally, I think Northwestern's. I, I've been the one looking. I don't know how. I don't know how I feel about this game. This is a game I feel pretty confident about going into it. I think Northwestern would really have to lay an egg for not to win this. Yeah. So the spread uh, before we started recording was seven and a half points. Okay. I'm assuming that we all think that this line is too low. Yep. Uh, oh yes. Okay. Sure. Do we want to? Should be like eleven and a half. Okay. So Gilman I take the over on that. Too. The over on eleven and a half. I think Gilman by more than two scores. All right, so uh, then can you guys lay down some final score predictions before we go? Uh, Northwestern 30, Minnesota 7. Northwestern 31, Minnesota 12. Mm. 12? Yeah, I get four field goals. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a Big Ten game if I've yeah. ever heard one. I don't think they're going to be in the red zone that much. They don't have to be in the red zone to kick a field goal. Jinx. I said, my weekly predictions, I said Northwestern 24, Minnesota 14. That feels right to me. I think Northwestern gets out early and then just kind of shuts it down. Similar to this Purdue game this week. Northwestern needs to learn how to run up the score. Depends on your goals, though. Fitz is too nice of a guy to run up the score on I know. someone. Fitz would, be, Fitz would be the kind of coach who would of get... His, one of his only flaws as head coach. He would get mad at someone if you they sh- ran up the score you, on him. You should become a Penn State fan. I actually do like... I only like running up the score if you're Miami. If you're not Miami, don't run up the score. <laughs> I, I, the problem, the problem with Northwestern, though, is that it's hard to tell if they aren't running up the score because usually their offense just isn't like that good. Now there's a game a couple like, years they don't ago. Really they score played, that they played Illinois. They went up like twenty one nothing in like the second quarter and then just parked the bus basically. Whatever the football equivalent of parking. Saving gas. Is. Warm up the gas. bus. Warm up the bus. They won, the game, they won the game like twenty four twenty one. You're saving gas. Parking the bus is the green choice. Fitz is really an environmentalist at heart, <laughs> I believe. All right. I'm going to cut this off now before it goes a little any any more crazy than it's already gone. Tim Balk, Max Gelman, thanks you guys for uh, coming on again this week. You got it. My pleasure. Northwestern gets a bright and early 11 a.m. kickoff against Minnesota on Saturday. Be sure to check out dailynorthwestern.com for all our coverage of Northwestern football. Follow us at dailynu underscore sports on Twitter for live updates from games and for press conferences. If you like this podcast, subscribe to The Daily on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. You can get every episode directly to your phone. It's great. We'll be back next week to discuss Saturday's game and anything else that's going on in Northwestern football. That's just how we roll. See you guys then. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. All right, well, let's get home safe.